when, when you're following Jesus, he never promised that you would feel prepared. He just promised to be present in whatever you face. So when you take that step of faith, I want you to know that he goes right along with you. Clarksville Church destroyed in the floods. The church now owns less than we did when we first opened. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. We never stop. If Jesus hasn't returned yet, and we still have breath in our lungs, we refuse to sit back, slow down, or give up. We will keep going until everyone knows Jesus, or we die trying. Come hell or high water. Uh, this series, Come Hell or High Water, is really about following Jesus no matter what comes your way. That's, that's kind of the heart behind it. Understanding that there's going to be challenges, there will be pain, there will be hellfire, there will be sometimes literal high water, or at least figuratively, there will be many times where you feel like you're in over your head, but God's with you the whole way. In fact, you know, it's interesting, as I wrote this book, obviously I told it through my lens, which is church planter and pastor, but, but it really works just uh, if you broaden that, if you zoom out a little bit, it works for anybody who's a follower of Jesus because, man, 10 years as a church, it has been a wild ride, uh, to say the least, of planting this place and, and seeing what God was going to do and all the things he's helped us weather along the way. And I, I got to thinking about some of those experiences and actually how following Jesus really kind of parallels a couple years ago when I got to jump out of an airplane. I don't know if any of you guys have ever skydived before, but uh, I, I actually, when I got to skydive a couple years ago, I, I went with the Army, the U.S. Army Golden Knights, and I got to jump out tandem out of, a, out of an airplane from two and a half miles above Clarksville, 13,000 feet. We hit terminal velocity at 120 miles an hour, and it was crazy because we did all of that after, in my opinion, way too little of preparation, okay? <laughs> like, like. In my opinion, if you jump out of an airplane, I feel like there should be like a whole training course and a, oh no, we sat in a room for about an hour. I watched a video, which it started amazing, epic shots of guys piling out of airplanes and it looked amazing. This upbeat music and it sounded awesome. And then the voiceover overlaid over the video was terrible graphic descriptions of all of the horrible things that could happen injury-wise or death-wise to us. And then we're sitting there like, this is amazing, but is it amazing, right? I feel like I'm terrified and excited at the same time. And then we just signed a waiver basically saying we won't sue the army. And then we got our suit on and strapped to a guy I just met and walked to an airplane. And I, like uh, never before in my life have I been led to an airplane and then say, okay, where, where's my seat? And they're like, on that guy's lap. And I'm like, but I don't know that guy. Yeah, buckle up, all right? 
And then we climbed all the way 13,000 feet. In fact, I thought I brought, I brought a video. I thought you might like to see a little clip. Here it is. There I am. That's Clarksville from 13,000 feet up. Come on, you got to throw some rock-ons. And uh, I was trying to keep my mouth closed because they said he could swallow a bug on the way down, but I had to scream. I had to scream. So here we go. Now, that, now he pulls the chute, and I'm away. So there we survived. We survived two and a half miles of free fall. And uh, man, what a, what a ride that was. And you know, it's funny because as little of preparation as I got going into that, and as frightening as it was to not really know what exactly was around the bend and what exactly it was going to feel like or what exactly was going to happen, I just knew it was right. And I, and I started paralleling my skydive to my, my faith in Jesus, and I realized there's a whole lot of correlations. Because the, when, when God led us out here and when God leads you to take whatever step of faith that you're going to take, I promise you it's going to probably feel like how, how we did you're not going to feel completely prepared. There's always going to be something more that you think, well, if I had this, if I only knew this, if I only had a little bit more experience. But I want you to know this, when, when you're following Jesus, he never promised that you would feel prepared. He just promised to be present in whatever you face. So when you take that step of faith, I want you to know that he goes right along with you. He's right there no matter what you're facing, no matter what you go through. And even if you don't feel ready, think about it this way. If God says you're ready, you're ready, okay? You may not have a whole list of things that you thought you needed to do that. But we're just going to be content in the fact that if God says go, then we must be ready. He's prepared us for it. He's already gone ahead. He's prepared us for whatever's coming. And uh, today, I, I want to talk a little bit about that idea. Now, here's how we're going to kind of go about this series. Uh, we're doing this a little bit differently than I've ever done it before. Three-part series, and I want to give you three overarching principles that span all three weeks. So each week, I'm going to give you one principle from Isaiah 43, verse 2, which I'll read to you in just a moment. Isaiah 43, verse 2. We're actually today going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you'd like to Mark, either one. First Corinthians chapter one is where we're going to spend most of our time. But the heart behind the series and the heart behind the book is Isaiah 43, verse two. And I want to read it from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That's the heartbeat of the series, heartbeat of the book, is understanding how to navigate these seasons. And I, I think it's important that we catch this. So like I said, each week we're going to revisit Isaiah 43 verse 2 and pull another principle from it. Today I want to start with one overarching principle, and then that's going to springboard us into the message today. Write this down. If you're a note taker, write this down. Walking in victory means walking through pain. This is something that we have to understand from Isaiah 43, verse 2, because if you noticed the wording, it was when you walk through the waters, when you're in the rivers of difficulty, when you're in the fire. It's not ever if, because the follower of Jesus is guaranteed struggle and trial and pain. It just 
is a challenging part of, the, of, of our relationship with Jesus when you face them. But here's the great thing. Even if you feel unprepared, I'm just here to tell you that our God is prepared for whatever pain you're going to face. And let me take it a step further. Not only is God prepared, but whether you realize this or not, God has been preparing you to face pain as well. When, when we got out here, Eight months into the church plant, this whole place flooded. You saw part of that on the video that we just showed. This whole place flooded. But I believe, looking back, that God in his providence led us to 585 South Riverside Drive so that we would be here when it flooded. The river hadn't been that high in over 100 years. But eight-month-old awakened church was here. And God used the, the flood to impact us, to build the church, to fund the mission, as well as to reach the city. And we look back and we say, God, please never a flood again, but we're thankful for the flood. We don't want to go through it again, but man, God used it powerfully. And so we didn't even feel prepared. I remember in knee-deep, muddy river water, standing in the same spot that I taught just a few days prior. Tears streaming down my face. And somehow God spoke to me, Kevin, this was never your church. This has always been my church. I'm going to build it. Trust me. I didn't think I would be prepared for something like that. God had gone before me to prepare. So I want you to understand, when you walk through the, the rivers of difficulty, when you are walking through the fire, God is with you. He's already been preparing you. That's his providence. So, and that's what I want to talk about today. God's providence, how he has provided. Because one of the ways that God has provided is the things that he's built into you already that you didn't maybe even know were there. He's, he's already been wiring you for something. And so today I've had you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 because I want to share a message that I'm calling willing versus wired. I want to I just kind of springboard off of this idea that a lot of people are missing out entirely on their purpose, the reason God has placed them here on the planet, because they're just going along with what they're willing to do and not living for what God wired them to do. And today, I'm talking to every one of you, those joining us online, those both in both venues, and I'm, I'm inviting you, God is inviting you to step out and to step into your purpose. Where we're not just going to coast around with, with the stream, with the current of culture. We're going to be willing to follow God into some, some dangerous territory. And to step out when it feels dangerous and like I'm not quite prepared because God goes with us. When you face them, you will. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to share just, uh, I want to read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Listen to Paul. Here's what he says. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, and here's why, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Three things I want to talk to you about today. Number one, write this down. Your calling requires prayerful consideration. The words that Paul starts this verse off with, verse 26, consider your calling, brothers. 
right there, that should be an encouragement to us. And, and let me tell you why. Because some of you may have thought that it's kind of an accident that you're here. Or, you know, I know that evolution told you that you just evolved and your life has no purpose. And I'm just here to t speak on behalf of your creator that he spoke you into existence on purpose for a purpose. He has a plan for your life, a calling. Listen, every one of you, whoever's listening to, the, to my voice right now, you have a calling, a God-given calling on your life. And Paul says right here, we should take some time to consider that calling. Now, why are these words in particular encouraging? Well, because Paul was writing to the city of Corinth, the Christians in the city of Corinth, which if you don't know anything about Corinth in the Bible days, it was the Las Vegas of our day, okay? This was sin city, party city. Uh, so many people wrote off the people of Corinth as though God couldn't do anything there. Paul planted a church here. Paul spoke into their lives and said, God actually has a calling on your life. So let me encourage you with that, that no matter what your life has looked like so far or looks like currently, can I just tell you, God has a purpose for your existence here. He has a calling on your life. Are you listening 10 o'clock? God has a calling on your life. You are here on purpose, for a purpose. And so it is so important that we would consider that. That word consider, if you look in verse 26, that word consider means to see or ponder or think about. I think so many people miss out on their, on their God-given purpose, how God has wired them, because we just are wallowing in what we're willing to do and not stepping into what God has wired us to do. Because stepping into it is, is scary. A lot of times we just don't feel fully prepared or we're not quite ready. And we miss out entirely on what God has, has called us to. And You know, one, one way, if, if you need some help trying to figure out what is, what is your calling. We're talking about here pondering, considering, thinking about. What, what is my calling? Why, why am I here? If I'm not here on accident, there must be a purpose. And so what is that? W one way to consider that, um, I've found, I call it the free test, okay? Here's what I mean by that. What are you willing to do for free on top of the things that you have to do? Well, we all have things that life requires of us. We gotta go to work, we gotta make money, we gotta take care we, we have to do, there are certain things that you have to do, but what are the things that you're willing to do? Not because you have extra time, but because you just, it makes your heart beat. On top of all of those other things, here's another word, way to say it. What's the passion that God has placed in your heart? What makes your heart beat? What, what, is, what is it that you are passionate about? What brings you to tears? These are things that you know, man, I'd be willing to do whatever I have to do so I can do what I'm called to do. I'll give you an example in my own life. I remember uh, when I was 18, going to school and ministry in the morning, working in the afternoon. Jen and I were planning a wedding. Actually, she was planning the wedding. I was agreeing with all of the details. Come on, right? All the guys in the room who, who are married or getting married understand. Just, yeah, that looks perfect. Sounds great. She's like, do you like this color or this color? All the colors. I like all of the colors of the flowers. Rainbow colors, rainbow flowers. Sure, let's do that. At the end of the day, will I be married? Perfect. Go with anything, right? <laughs> I, I don't really care that much. Um, so I, ha I already had a very busy life. But on top of that, I was asked to teach the youth group at our church. And 
So on Wednesday nights, I got to go teach a, a rowdy group of 200 middle school students, and I loved it. I thrived for it. It made my heart beat. I loved it. But there were times where I would fall asleep. I remember one time in particular, 2 something a.m. in the morning, and I almost toppled. I woke up almost falling back in my office chair, if you've ever had that horrific feeling. And I, I like, where am I? What's happening? And I had fallen asleep again, studying for a message that I was preparing for the next night. And again, it wasn't because I had extra time that I was teaching that. It was because that's what I felt called to do. I loved it. I was passionate about it. And so my, my question to you is, is that, what is it that you would do for free on top of what you have to do? So I, I was at that time doing what I had to so I could do what I was called to. That's the free test. So I would, I would put it this way. If you fall asleep thinking about it and you wake up with it on your mind and you're constantly strategizing to figure out how I can do more of it, one of two things, either you have a very unhealthy obsession or you have a God-given calling on your life. And all of us have a calling, but have you taken time to ponder it? To consider, Paul says, consider your calling. This is how we, uh, this is how we deal with serving here at Awaken. We don't start with the need in the church. We start with the gift in the person. Somebody goes, hey, where's the greatest need in the church? Uh, I'll tell you, but, but listen, what do you like to do? What is it that, that really gets you excited? Because I could stick you where there's a need, but I want you where God has wired you to do. I, I'm not asking you to serve somewhere where you're just kind of willing to do it. I want you where God has wired you to do because your personality and your gifts and your strengths and your skills, God put those in you on purpose for a purpose. Let's be strategic about it. We take that really seriously here at Awaken. This is why we do this, this course called Framework. Uh, Framework, we've, we've only done two of these courses so far. They run every other week right now on Saturdays. And we've already taken 80 people through Framework, which is amazing. And, and Framework is about history and vision of the church, but more so, this is our way to help you with 1 Corinthians 1.26, consider your calling. It's not just about Awaken, it's who are you and where do you fit in the story of what God is doing here. We need to make time to consider our calling because your calling requires prayerful consideration. Here's the second thing. Would you write this down? Uh, we'll look at verse 27 in a moment. God is most likely to use the least likely. Did you hear me say that? God is the most likely to use those who feel like the least likely. Verse 27 and, and 28 kind of talk about this. Um, he, he says, God chose what is foolish, what is weak, what is low and despised, the things that are not, all of those things. So this is really good news for those who feel like the least and the last, because this tells us you are the most likely for God to use. You may have grown up being picked last for kickball, right? But I want you to know you are first on God's list. You are right at the top where God goes, hey, the least and the last, I'll take all of them. And I'll tell you why here in just a moment. But I, I, we just got to drive this point home that God is most likely to use us when we feel the least likely, when we are devoid, when we are void of ourselves and we are full of Jesus, when we understand I have nothing to offer. Because there's a difference here that I want to I wanna give you two words that sound similar, come from the same root word, but have vastly different spiritual implications. Two words, choice 
and chosen. Watch this. Let me help you understand the difference. If something is choice, then it has innate value in and of itself. It has, if a person is choice, that employee is choice. That laborer is choice. That means that person has some value in and of themselves that they bring something to the team. They bring something to the table. But chosen is different. Something that is chosen could be completely void of value, but still selected, chosen. I want you to understand where we fall on that spectrum. None of us are choice, meaning none of us bring anything to God. Can I tell you that? Like when we give, when we, when we serve, when, we're just giving back because it's all his anyway. And we, God did not select you. God did not choose you because you had something special to offer to the team. Oh, I need him on my team. Oh, I, we got to have one of her. That's not, that's not how this works. We are not choice. We are chosen. We're the least likely. And so because of that, we're the most likely to be used by God. And, and see, here's another difference. When something is choice, the spotlight tends to be on that thing or that person, the value that that thing or person brings in and of itself. But when something is chosen, the spotlight is no longer on the thing or the person, but on the one who made the choice. And that's always how it's been. That's always how God wants it to be. The spotlight was never meant to be on the servant the spotlight has always meant to be on the Savior. And so God has purposely overlooked the things that we would view as choice. I mean, if you just look at some of the things, he, he says in verse uh, 26, he talks about wise and powerful and of noble birth. And he, he says, God overlooked those. That's not actually what he wanted. He wasn't looking for things that we could offer God. He was actually looking for the least and the last. The people he talks about in verse 27 and 28, foolish and weak and low and despised and those who are not. God chose those. So I want you to know, I hope this is good news to somebody today, that if you feel the least and the last, you are the most likely to be chosen by God. You're like, oh, I don't, where do I fall on that? Tell God that you have nothing to offer and you are chosen. You are chosen. God has chosen you to be a part of what he's doing here. And let me tell you why this is such an important principle. Here's a third point. Write this down. Here's why God chooses the least. God uses the least because he gets glory the most. You see this in verse 29? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God uses the least because he gets glory the most. It's an important principle for us to, for us to drive home and, and understand because, you know, the reality is if he only chose the people who were choice, those who were wise and powerful and of noble birth, then all the people get the spotlight. But when he chooses the least and the last over the choice, then he gets the spotlight. All the focus is where it belongs. This is why uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, when it talks about our salvation, that we were saved by grace through faith so that no one can boast. By grace, through faith, not of our works so that no one can boast. Because, come on, let's, we know us. 
if we got to heaven because of something we did, we'd be bragging for the rest of eternity. Yeah, I mean, that's cool that you fed the orphans and, and you did all those cool things. But did you hear what my organization did? Come on over here. Let me show you my trophies, right? We would just be bragging for the rest of eternity. And so the beautiful thing about doing this is that God just gets all the glory. Because did you know his stated purpose is that his glory would fill the earth? God doesn't share his glory. And so he chooses the least and the last because he gets glory the most. And when we get to heaven, it's not like, man, I'm glad I made it. Look at me. It's God. Thank you. You get all the glory. It's all yours. I'm not deserving. I could have never arrived here. I, I just want to thank you, God, for the rest of eternity because you're so good. That's how, it's, that's how it's designed to be. On our knees in front of the king. Read Revelation. Talks this, tells this whole story about those surrounding the throne with golden crowns. You know what it says? The things that we thought, we, we think of a golden crown as so valuable. It says as they approached Jesus, as they were looking at the throne, they cast their crowns before him. Because even the most valuable things we have in life lose their value in light of who God is. So God chose the least and the last because he gets the most glory. So I want to ask you a question. Are you living in your purpose? Are you living in what God has wired you to do? Not just in what you're willing to do, because a lot of us live and we waste our lives in what we're willing to do. But are you living in what you're wired to do? God built you for a purpose. And let me just give you a spoiler alert. If you're doing anything apart from finding your purpose in Jesus, life will never be enough for you. You'll never have enough. There's no position, no power, no possession that will ever quench the thirst that you feel. If you're constantly going back and wondering why you're so thirsty, it's because if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have what you ultimately need. And why are we on that quest? Because the Bible says God has placed eternity in our hearts. And all our culture throws at us is temporary solutions to eternal problems. And it's time we turn to the one who is eternal to fix that, to, to find our purpose and our, and our need in him. It's only Jesus. And so today, I just believe God wants to invite you in, call you into purpose like you've never had before because you are wired for something. God created you on purpose, for a purpose, and he brought you here to this moment. And this is the crux. This is it. This is your, your chance to say, I'm in. Come hell or high water, I'm, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Because you know the flip side of this is, God braved hell and high water for you. Are you willing to take a step into what he's called you to?